Hi, and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with my father, Michael Fraser, Professor Michael Fraser, and uh, we sat in the Sofitel over breakfast and tea and talked about a few things, about morality, about artificial intelligence, about the implications of a post-truth world where we're programming robots to make moral decisions. I really enjoyed having the conversation. I enjoyed talking to my dad. Um, also, the reason that I was in the Sofitel with my dad is because I last night I received an AMP Tomorrow Fund Tomorrow Makers Award grant for the podcast. So, tea with Alice as a as a form of modelling alternative discourse in a world where you only ever see arguments with people shouting past each other rather than interesting in-depth discussions. I am apparently a tomorrow maker. And at the end of this podcast, I've included a few grabs of me walking around the floor of this Tomorrow Makers grant award ceremony, talking to a few of the people, just a few of the incredible people who were there. So over the last few weeks, I've been working for the project um, on Channel 10, uh, writing jokes for them. And then this week, I've been filling in for their social media person which means filtering through you know hundreds sometimes thousands of comments a day most of which are horrible really horrible and it's been getting me down and so you know just walking around the streets thinking oh how many of these people think awful things or say awful things or feel awful things it's been getting me down so last night to watch this incredible award ceremony with all these good people doing good things uh, it just gave me a real shot of joy and and pleasure. So I've included just a few grabs of people. I couldn't get the super in-demand ones. There's a, an amazing woman who's making a coding app for blind children so blind children can learn to be co- coders and compete in the market. There's a mathematician who is making books with built-in maths problems and adventure apps and all these kind of things so that people are decoding bombs and learning math skills at the same time. Uh, just a lot of really, really astonishingly good things. And a nun in Newcastle who's setting up microfinancing for refugee women. Really, I just more than more than five or six times, people who went up to the stage and talked about what they were doing made me just go, "Whoa!" Just really sit back and be impressed. And you rarely meet people like that. So to have you know forty people like that in a room together just made me very very happy and sort of like I was getting away with something even being in the room with them anyway all of that to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast thank you for being part of my listenership thank you to everyone who's kept it going so far on patreon uh this is this is due to you you are the reason that I can afford to do this podcast and uh, make it into something that people think is good enough to deserve a shiny prize so thank you anyway on to the podcast i hope you enjoy listening to me talk to my dad as much as i enjoyed doing it you don't know but uh, we stopped talking about that and he immediately started talking about my fertility so good i'm glad he didn't do that on the microphones but i've told you now anyway so good fun enjoy yourselves you're having tea with alice Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's guest is Michael Fraser, who is a professor or just recently retired professor. How are you? I'm well, thank you. 
How are you, Ali? I'm good. We're sitting in the Sofitel in the fancy hotel, which is quite nice, having sparkling water and uh, watermelon. Have you been thinking about things recently? What's been on your mind? I'm always thinking about things, uh, trying not to overthink. Do you have anything that's been going around in your head or that you've been wrestling with? Or that you have an opinion on something that you, you find controversial? Well, I've been looking at world events like, like everybody else. And one of the things that has surprised me is that there seems to be a growing lack of care about the truth. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, isn't it the Oxford Dictionary word of the year is post-truth? Post-truth means yes. lie. Yeah, which, Col False. which Colbert said is basically truthiness, which he already pitched in 2005, so he felt he was ahead of the game there. Well, there's been an idea uh, that's been made popular by French philosophers since the 70s, that, that there is no such thing, that it's only relative, and it only depends on your point of view. And of course, your perspective is, is important, but there is such a thing as reality, and there is such a thing as, as truth. And it seems that now uh, some people feel <coughs> entitled to say whatever they like and then to say the, to say the opposite or something altogether. The idea of my truth and your truth as though the, the truth were... I mean, I guess there is such a thing as my truth and your truth to a certain degree. You know, my feelings about a thing are valid and your feelings about a thing, the same thing might be valid but different. It's not to do with feelings. But <laughs> the thing itself is as it is. It is as it is. And, and of course, uh, the, way you look, the way you look at it uh, affects it. And, and you know, the, the mind is foremost in, and, and the way you, you perceive things is important. But something is the case, and it, it now appears that people feel entitled to, s to have their own version. So freedom of expression I is a human right, but it means that we're entitled to express our opinions and to have our own opinions. It doesn't mean we're entitled to our own facts. <laughs> Yeah, I think it might. I think it might not just have to do with top-down academic things. I think it might also have to do with how far away we are, for the most part, from our place in the food chain, from the reality of sort of uh, life, day-to-day -day life. Because we go to a supermarket and our food appears in packages, and our water just comes when we turn the tap. So we're not really confronted with. Very often, we're not really confronted with reality where most of our kind of engagements with reality are one or two or three levels up from really fundamental realities most people don't see other people die or even suffer very much nowadays it's it's very confronting for people to realize that often very late in life they realize that people suffer in more than in an emotional way in a real physical way 
Well, of course, young young persons <laughs> are interested in pleasure, pursuing pleasure. But if you if you look at life closely, uh, then you see the characteristics of of existence more and more clearly. Uh, but you have to pay attention to to do that. I mean, whether whether you're living a life of luxury the way so many do in in Australia, you know, one of the wealthiest countries uh, in the wealthiest time in in history in human history, uh, it people enjoy their their luxuries and their pleasures and that's wonderful but it's still reality yeah but it's easy to hide reality if you're surrounded by luxury yes yes it's not impossible it's not impossible though you just have to pay attention I mean so it, do, it doesn't give you license just to say anything the way some people do your, your granny you used to say about such people not even the opposite of what he says is true <laughs> Well, it's interesting with Trump because he says one thing and then the opposite of what he says. He says both of those things and both of them are lies quite e often. Yeah, even in the same minute. In the s it's amazing. There's a, there's a Buddhist parable about uh, a prince who kept everybody away who was old or sick and anyone who was ugly was taken away immediately. That's Hollywood. Like that's what people do now. All of the entertainment that you get is only beautiful young people. The moment they get ugly or old or sick, they're almost immediately taken out of your view, unless you deliberately seek out sort of alternative media. The mainstream media is exactly that. You never see people suffer or die except in you know glamorous and extravagant Hollywood ways. Well, it's a, Hollywood's a dream factory. That's the whole purpose of it is to distract you from what's real uh, it's an entertainment yeah and so yeah it's people watch it to, to to relax and sometimes they try to to have a message but really it's just a a version of of, of ultra consumption of a of a dream. That's that's the idea in in America that you should dream and and pursue a dream and that you should have a passion. But I think uh, it's more productive to be dispassionate and realistic. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's better to be useful than it is to be passionate. Yes. If you're trying to figure out what your direction should be in life, you think, what am, what am I useful at or what am I good for, yes. rather than what, what do I dream about? Yes. Of course, you, you, you should have an aspiration if you want to be useful, uh, and, but you have to choose it carefully. And that's not exactly the same thing as dreaming. No. Yeah, no, to aspire to things. I mean, this thing last night, so last night... Uh, 
for listeners. I should make this. I should maybe I'll make this announcement at the beginning of this episode. Uh, this might be a repeat, but I I was uh, I got an award uh, of a grant from the AMP Tomorrow Fund, which gives grants to people that they think are making tomorrow uh, in useful and interesting ways, and it was really inspiring. I thought. All these people just quietly, it was a really diverse range of grants that they were giving out, but a lot of people were just quietly doing really good things. It made me feel reassured about the future of humanity. Yes, congratulations, Ali. Oh, thank you. I was you, very Dada. proud of you. And it was a, an acknowledgement, just one acknowledgement for, for those people who received the reward, the award of the many people who make the world go round, who are quietly doing things for the good, making a difference for, for, for the good in their own field. And they're not trying to have a high profile, they're not trying to get r recognition, uh, but it's these people, uh, thousands and thousands, millions of people around the world who are finding the best qualities in themselves and with great generosity working not only for themselves but, but for others that make the world go round. And if you pay attention, too much attention to the, to the news which is full of horrors, you can lose sight of that. But if you look around you every day, you'll find people who are working uh, to improve themselves and to help others. Yeah, I think I can't I can't decide if my favourite one was the lady who was making an app for teaching blind children to do coding or the man who was writing adventure novels to help children learn maths and giving them, you know, bombs to decode and things to make them engage with maths or the, there was a nun in Newcastle who was starting microloans for refugee women and she was so... They're just these amazing powerhouse people. Yes, she said... A sewing machine is freedom. Yeah, she's great, just great. Yes, so and we're going to take these Australian. We're going to take these women and their children and turn them into Australians. Yeah, it's delightful. By, by helping to give them autonomy, autonomy, and make them self-sufficient, and yeah, and, and do do the work that they want to do. Yeah, it, it was a wonderful thing, and I think one of the the beautiful things about it was that these people who were working hard uh, to make a contribution were so happy. Yeah. They were happy in, in themselves. Yeah. Well, everyone was very happy there. I, I didn't see any sour faces or bored people or people on their phones, really. No, everybody was enjoying it and that positive energy that, that those people were putting out and that were all of them in that room and the recognition that they were receiving that just that rippled out from the town hall uh, and affects the whole community so yeah it's when you when you do something like that it's like lighting a little candle it can light up a whole room yeah it made me very happy yes so generosity is the is the foundation of everything that's good because it opens the heart. It's true. It's so you have just finished your a career. I don't know. I've uh, 
I'm still an adjunct professor there. I think that means you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you just t- turn up at events and occasionally give lectures and things. Yeah, that, that's right. Just sort of float about it. Uh, so if you don't know, my dad's been working for the UTS as a professor of media and communications law and he was heading up the, the department or the... In the communications law centre. For some years. And now you've decided to give it the flick. Well... Go out into the world. I'm still doing bits and pieces. I'm uh, involved in a, a speaking at a conference ne- next week uh, about artificial intelligence. It should be interesting about encryption and uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and uh, looking at at questions of how to control, how to regulate uh, these systems. Who's responsible when an an automated system for giving financial advice or driving a car when it goes wrong and causes harm or in or injury oh that's I- really interesting yeah is it the p- the people who gathered the data is it the people who wrote the uh algorithm is it the person who owns the machine and as the internet of things expands and any device uh can be connected to to the web and and this deep uh neural networks uh, develop it becomes an important question about uh, oversight and uh, moral responsibility, a, a con- ethics, accountability, and liability for these systems. I mean, I've I've hadn't thought about that. I I was thinking obviously about the trolley problem and the kind of the programming that they're going to have to do, which is one of those really interesting um, affirmations of the idea of just thinking for thinking's sake. That's a very abstract question. The trolley problem has always been an abstract question in philosophy. What would you do if you have two people on one rail and one person on the other and the train is headed for the two people? Do you switch it over and make it head for the one person? All of those questions were always just sort of fun philosophy games to make you think about your intuitions and why you have those feelings. And now that's an actual question. Do you program a car if it's headed towards one person to swerve away and hit a dog? If it's headed towards two people, do you program it to swerve away? If it's going to hit one person, all of those things actually now have to be decided. And whether it's that you make a decision or whether people refuse to make that moral decision and decide to let the car roll a dice in its head, I mean, that's in its own way a decision. And then who's responsible for that decision? Does the one person who gets hit by the car because you swerved it away from the two people sue the car or the programmer or the car company? Yes. It's amazing. This technology is progressing and developing at a tremendous rate, but and everyone's excited by that and all this new infrastructure, but technology is not policy. So anything that's possible is not necessarily what's a public good, what's in the public interest. We have to build the social infrastructure into the technological infrastructure by design in the way that it's built and in the way that it's operated and in the way that we have oversight. And so, But it, it's not 
it's not an easy thing to do and it has to be done not only at a national level but coordinated on an international level. Well, if you're buying your car from a country that chooses a different decision on the trolley problem than your government has regulated. It has to be secured against cybercrime and, and malicious state actors too. What if somebody uh, with bad intent were to manage to, through the network, through the Internet of Things, gain control of the, the steering systems and the brakes of cars that were automated, uh, for example. So it, it also has to be made secure and safe, and who has responsibility for that? It will need cooperation among all those who are in, in the value chain for these products and services, including the consumers, including us as citizens. And then again, you know, you, you put something like the trolley problem. It's easy to anthropomorphize these systems, but a, a machine doesn't see a dog as a dog or, and a person as a person. It just sees various vectors of, of data at which it connects in, in certain ways according to algorithms. So the, w the way these systems operate and then heuristically develop a, a, and change in, s in certain directions makes them difficult even for the people who make them to understand and manage and control. So we, ha we have to think about these things, otherwise we uh, will be controlled by them. Yeah. Or we are responsible for things that we don't understand. Ultimately, professional ethics and, and, and personal morality can't be outsourced. These are things that every moment you're making decisions I in life where y you bear responsibility for the results. And not making a decision also has results for which that is a decision and for which you have to bear the consequences too. So we have to make choices about how we manage these machines and these processes and systems as a community and as individuals. So you're going to go and do that this week? Uh, next week there's, there's uh, yeah, there'll be a panel discussion at a, at a conference about that. So that's what I've just been thinking about uh, recently about, uh, t t because I'll be talking about that with, with professional colleagues next week. That's sort of what you've become required to do over the last couple of years is something happens in media and communication and it's always sort of one step ahead and then someone will call you on the telephone and say what's your opinion on this brand new thing and then you have to google whatever it is and and y find out what your opinion is yeah i should have done roman law or something because <laughs> the research in media and communications law over this last 10 years or so starts with uh, the newspaper that day trying to keep up and and then trying to stay ahead uh, of the of these developments but it's very important uh, for us as a community that we don't allow anything that's technological po technologically possible simply to be implemented because it's possible so our understanding of uh, matter 
the, of, of physics, uh, of the material sciences, uh, is very highly developed. Um, and we have to develop our understanding of the mind so that we manage the, these things in a way which is beneficial. Uh, otherwise, the tremendous power of, of our scientific knowledge, well, it's a tremendous tool, it, but it can be used either to harm, a, as we've seen, uh, and we're now in an existential crisis of the planet, or it can be used f for the good. And that depends on on us and our minds and how we apply our minds to use these tools. Oh, very good. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I think that if you're going to uh, if you're going to cultivate that kind of understanding, then that's not just a social responsibility, it's a personal responsibility. Uh, to develop your own insight. Uh, and that's something that, that can't be shirked just by uh, taking the technology as, as a given or taking all the material things that are given or even by the, the important good social work that we saw uh, exemplified last night and in the awards that were uh, recognizing it. it. It also takes quiet work on yourself to understand and cultivate good qualities, positive qualities in yourself so that you can see things more clearly as they really are. Yeah. I think the last few weeks of my life have been a very good example of how easily people can be horrible or how easily they can be good the same kind of people. I don't think the people who are writing in mean comments to the project are inherently worse people than the people who were at the awards night last night, or sort of not. Maybe I don't mean inherently, maybe I mean a priori. They didn't start off mean and angry, as I think is what you, what you cultivate that leaves you either you know, happily receiving an award for helping your community or furiously writing in racist slurs on the internet at six o'clock at night. We all have the capacity to be good or to be evil. We all have that within us. And it's a choice. And it's a choice we have to make every day or all the time our responsibility that can't be avoided and if you if you make choices for the good then you can enjoy the happiness of that as we saw last night and it also uh, changes the way you you look at things so it becomes a, a, a virtuous cycle you see you see things differently uh, and it expand your capacity to to do good and and to understand things more clearly uh, these are the choices that we make we have to make all day long and it's something to to grasp 
with, po with a positive energy. Yeah, I think I agree. Where can people find you online? Uh, if they want to see your work. I don't know. Can people find me online? Yes, everyone can find everyone online. Uh, uh, do you have a, an Instagram or a Twitter or a <laughs> Facebook that you want people to look you up on? Or a LinkedIn? Not specially. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm happy if people want to, want to talk to me. Um, I have a LinkedIn, I, I suppose. I have a Facebook. I don't look at them very often. <laughs> All right. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask my dad, Michael Fraser, you can hit me up on at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E on Twitter. I'll pass it on or alicerfraser at gmail.com and I'll, I'll, I'll get him to respond to you. Yeah, I'll be happy to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye. You're having tea with Alice. My name's Tung Tran. Um, I'm a police officer, and uh, I got the grant uh, AMP Tomorrow Fund uh, for my evidence. So my evidence is my idea of uh, getting our police uh, back out on the streets, protecting our community. Um, I found, well, as a police officer myself, we spent more time actually in the office doing paperwork as opposed to actually being out there, and you know. Um, when we've got too much paperwork to do, it, it really distracts from that. Uh, and when did you get the idea? Um, a couple of years ago, but I've always had a, I guess, well, actually, no, so I take that back. It's when I first started, I was a probationary officer. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I guess as a new recruit out of the academy, you're really keen and you want to go out and be out and, and do police things, uh, you know, chase bad guys and... Yeah, and, and you actually do all that stuff, but I found that the um, when we actually do do that, we spend more time in the office, and that's been um, this. I don't know. It hasn't changed since I've joined. It's it's about ten years now. So um, uh, that's that's all it is, Miss. It's just getting what you know what police officers do, getting them back out on the street, and and I don't know. I don't like being stuck in the office and. I think that's a lot of the motivation comes down to that as well. Well, if you can get uh, more police officers out on the street, not during bureaucracy, that's a fantastic thing to achieve. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you, Ed. Um, what did you get the grant for? What's your passion? What are you doing? All right. So um, the AMP uh, Tomorrow Makers grant that uh, I received is to help uh, bring a new microscope from the lab uh, into the market uh, and the key areas that we really needed help with there were developing prototypes and dealing with the IP. And what does the microscope do? Uh, so uh, most microscopes use some sort of light uh, to shine on a material to see it. This microscope makes the material shine itself. So. That's the fundamental difference in how it operates. The material shines rather than shining light on it. And by doing that, we can actually see the atomic structure of it as the material glows. That's amazing. And what are the implications? The long-term implications uh, in a very narrow projecting field here. So I can't obviously predict uh, a lot of things, but uh, 
the, the sort of long-term implication is that we can understand materials at, a, at that single atom physics level, which means we can understand how they work, their blueprint. And that's, uh, that takes it from materials engineering from a black magic sort of correlation science to a first principles, uh, uh, very controlled and predictable science. So uh, the idea is to take materials engineering from a 20-year, billion-dollar uh, paradigm to one that could be done in multiple years with maybe million-dollar uh, costs. That's amazing. And were you like as blown away by tonight as I was? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the the section that uh, when I went up, one one guy had been shot. And, uh, yeah, I just spoke to him and I was trying to get him to mention his story and he wouldn't. He was just oh. like, oh, I'm just a police officer. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you sort of go, oh, God, that guy got shot and uh, somebody else. Oh, and we had the opera singers and you're like, wow, like, there's no, I, there's no amount of training I think I could do to sing like that. So there were just incredible people who are up there tonight and I think, oh, yeah. And, then, yeah. and, and how like just her lust for life. Like she's just like, you know, bring on these people uh, from other countries. They've got a mad, amazing skills and uh, we're gonna help put them to work. And she was just a ball of energy. So, you, uh, you know, I'm sure you feel similarly. It's just like, you know, humbled to be in, in the group with these people, aren't we? I needed it so much. I've been writing jokes for the project recently and part of the job is looking at the social media and listening to just, like, or just watching and reading and responding to all this hate. Yeah. So I've been getting really down and to come here and just see these incredible people doing incredible things, I feel I, it's made me really happy. Yeah, I, there was only one reference, I think, uh, to the US election, which was pretty good. Uh, I think every part of uh, the world <laughs> is commenting on that right now. So I agree. We, we're sitting here wondering uh, what decision makers in high positions are going to be doing. And then we see all these everyday people like choosing to be extraordinary and choosing to do extraordinary things. And that's inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. My name is Charlotte Smith and I own the Darnell Collection and the Darnell Collection is a collection of fashion history. It also looks at women's history, social history as well as of course fashion history. So I won the award for the way I use the collection which is uh, I use it for charity raising money. I work with students so that I'm encouraging them to learn the old way of sewing and construction and really just bringing to life the, the incredible art of fashion. Brilliant, thank you so much. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you. Thank